TGIF. This month's episode is brought to you by the cash type Challenge Cash. Well, it's sort of a cache type. It falls under the unknown or mystery geocache type because it doesn't classify as any other actual type of geocache on geocaching.com. It's the only cache type for which you are required to do something else in addition to signing the physical log sheet in order to claim the geocache as found. Its owner will present a statistical accomplishment to achieve in your geocaching career, which you must verify as completed before being able to log it online as found, after you've signed its physical log. They're identified by having the challenge cache attribute in addition to being a mystery cache type. Maybe in a later show we'll dive deeper into challenge caching, but for now, this is TGIF Geocaching Radio, a monthly audio show all about geocaching and the excellent adventures that await us. And I'm Jeff, aka The Bruce Zero, so stay tuned and let's hang out. Welcome adventurers to the podcast. Once again, it has been a busy, busy month and it's been slow to complete the hard task for the challenge wheel souvenir this month of finding 100 geocaches. Uh, had a bunch of days with a few finds and today as I record this, I just hit number 100 to earn the challenge wheel souvenir. This was an interesting challenge and it seems like opinions have been all over the board because the challenge required you to find anywhere from five geocaches to 10 geocaches to 100 within the month of April to earn an easy, medium, and hard souvenir. And of course, some people feel that 100 is just a little too extreme, but I think it's just in that sweet spot of difficult and not too difficult for a lot of people to uh, to be able to accomplish, and I just barely made it. So, That one's down, and the challenge for the next month has just been announced, which I'll be covering shortly in this episode. So I'm excited for this episode because in this episode we have a big bag of news, we've got upcoming events, challenge news, hunting meteorites and bananas, public threats, artificial geocaching adventures, and contest news, so stay tuned. You know, I've had some thoughts about uh, this issue of, you know, finding a geocache and not having a pen or forgetting a pen. And it seems to happen to a lot of people who haven't been geocaching for, uh, for a while. And I feel like one of the issues might just be if the hobby is promoted as finding geocaches, people might interpret that as finding the container, spotting, visibly seeing the container. It's like, yes, I've found it. Now I can mark it found. I feel like it might help if we try to promote the goal of geocaching to find the log sheet. If you find the log sheet, then you can log it as found once you've signed the actual paper. And I think that might help because if people think the goal is just to find the container, they might be missing out on additional things like uh, the gadget, the puzzle to get in, or there might be something in the container that you have to solve, or there might be multiple containers like a matryoshka doll, or uh, there might be red herrings, and that might not be the container at all. That might not be the geocache. So what if we were to try to promote people that the goal and the intent of geocaching is to get to that log sheet and sign the log sheet, and then you can claim the geocache is found? You think that might help? 
I think it might. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Send me an email, tgif at cashtheline.net. Let me know. And you know, another thought that came to mind literally in just the last couple of days. Uh, I, I was thinking about, you know, a lot of people go out geocaching with friends in groups. Uh, you know, we have the issue of, say, a group of friends goes to a tree climb. One person climbs the tree and everybody's able to lock it as found. And, you know, without trying to reduce the value or legitimacy of a find log, if you found it, your name is in the log sheet, you can log it found. Literally, that's what geocaching allows or defines as a find. So I've been thinking about my own finds over my career and, uh, and, and how often I have actually done all of the work necessary to sign the log sheet myself. You know, whether it's climbing the tree myself to sign in or whether I stood at the bottom when somebody else climbed or if somebody else paddled across the, a, a sh- small stream to get to the cache on the other side as opposed to me doing that myself as well. And I, I started to wonder, what might be my ratio of the actual work required to sign the log sheet compared to finds where I was there, but you know didn't touch the log sheet myself or and whatnot. And I mean, that can be a very vague statistic and it's very arbitrary with no real way of tracking it. But I thought it might be a, an interesting thought experiment to, uh, to just, what does it feel like my ratio might be? And because I know with a lot of trails and power trails where I'm hiking with some friends, um, we, we usually tend to have one person sign it just off the trail and then we all move on to the next one. And so I know that uh, I don't think anybody's going to be 100% I signed my own ink on every single log sheet. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, it might be interesting to figure out what your own ratio of work to passiveness I, or whatever term you want to call it might be I feel like for me because I've I've been known to you know if, if we go to a tree climb and somebody else is a climber as well I'll go up as well I love the tree climb and I want to be able to say that yes I climbed that tree myself I got to the cache and signed in I'm not 100% with that but I love doing that and so I feel like I feel like I'm probably around the 75% the vast majority of caches I will get to and see the cash sign but i know there's quite a quite a few that uh, that i haven't done myself and it might also be hard to narrow down because there's other uh context as well like whether you've so- how many puzzles you've solved to get the coordinates yourself or whether you've uh, got help or received the coordinates and solution from somebody else and those kind of things i don't know so maybe my 75 percent is a little high i don't know it could be closer to 50 or 60 percent it's it's really hard to tell but it's an interesting ratio to think about, for yourself at least. I present that to you. Think about it, and what do you think your ratio might be? If you think or feel like it's low, then see if you can increase that number. Make a little more effort to accomplish that goal of signing that log sheet. <laughs> maybe it comes across a little too purist, or maybe it should be called the purist ratio. <laughs> okay, one more deep thought for this month. One of my recent short videos that I released on YouTube asked the question, how would you rate the size of a container? Do you rate it based on the object that you're looking for, or do you rate it based on the container itself that's holding the log sheet? Because in this short, I found it was rated as a large cache, and the bucket was just covering a micro container. So how would you rate that size? 
Uh, there were a few responses, and Kitty Hicks said, I reckon the size should let the finder know how big or small the object they're looking for is. If it's a bison in a big container, then you are looking for a big object. The CEO, the cache owner, can put extra info in the cache description too. Shannon Alvarez said, I like other for this. I love trading swag, so I'd be disappointed to find that small of a container if it said large. Lloyd Baker said, I consider that a, quote, liar's cache, placed to make you think a bit or pump up certain attributes for icon hunters. I thought that was an interesting take, but it could be true. What do you think? Geocaching HQ has just announced that the cost for new premium memberships is increasing up to $39.99 US from $29.99 or $6.99 per month on June 6th. And as a nice thank you to existing premium members, the renewal price for them won't change. But new members will see the new price. So if you aren't yet a premium member, now is the time to join. But if you don't get the lower price before it increases, trust me when I say that with all the benefits of subscribing, it's still worth the new cost per year. It's a video game, or a couple of dinners out, or a gas fill up, and only once per year. So what are you waiting for? As of this podcast, this is the final day to earn that hard souvenir for the challenge wheel of finding 100 geocaches within the month of April. A challenge like this is a great excuse to attend a mega event if there's any near you because if you're attending a mega event, chances are you will be finding a whole whack load of geocaches and adventure locations throughout that event period. They are great for qualifying for high counts and cache type icons per day and a whole lot of challenges like that. So keep that in mind because the challenge wheel has just been spun a second time and the second challenge has been revealed. This time you can earn two souvenirs, an easy and a hard, and this time we are earning points. We need to earn 100 points for easy and 1000 points for hard, and you earn points in this challenge by focusing on favorite points. So you get 10 points for every find that you log within the month of May. So at most that's finding 100 caches to earn 1,000 points. But you get extra points for finding any geocache with 10 or more favorite points. And as a thank you to cache owners who put out great caches, if you own a cache and it gets a favorite point within the month, you earn 50 points for that favorite point. So this month is all about the favorite points. This challenge wheel challenge runs from May 1st to June 4th, and you can find out more details by checking the show notes for this episode. If you are an avid mobile app user, you may have noticed that the needs maintenance and needs archive logs are now showing up as owner attention requested and reviewer attention requested. Well, it has recently been spotted online on the website that those needs archive logs are appearing as reviewer attention requested there as well. It's a slow rollout that HQ is doing to update those two log types to be a little more understandable or applicable, I suppose. Your mileage may vary, so watch for that change continuing to roll out in the near future. We are coming up once again to that time of year when we get to celebrate when geocaching became a thing. <laughs> Back on May 2nd of 2000 is when the US government flipped the switch and allowed 
military-grade GPS accuracy to be available to civilian regular GPS devices. And the day that happened, David Ulmer set his sights on creating what he called a stash, and the next day he went out and hid a tub with a bunch of stuff in it off the roadside where today we can go and take a look at the original stash plaque because, you know, that original geocache doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) But that was May 3rd, and so to celebrate every year on May 2nd, it's Blue Switch Day, and you can earn a special souvenir by finding a cache or basically doing anything geocaching related between May 1st and May 3rd. This year, HQ is also highlighting the work of Gladys West. She worked in the area of geodesy and developed more accurate models of the Earth with the U.S. Navy to help with the precision of satellite orbits. In 2018, she was also entered into the U.S. Air Force Hall of Fame for her work and earned a Lifetime Achievement Webby Award. So thank you, Gladys West, and thank you, HQ, for highlighting some of the history of this wonderful activity. Let's see what big events are coming up this month in May. We have three in North America. We've got ASB Geobash in New York on the 20th, Geo Woodstock 19 in Kentucky on May 27th, Spring Fling in California on May 6th, and there are another six mega events happening around the world. We've got two in France on May 6th and the 20th. We've got two in Czechia on May 13th and 20th, one in Belgium on the 20th, and one in Norway on the 27th. And to bring it back home to my own Canada, we have the Maritime Mega in New Brunswick coming up in July on the 8th. We don't really get many mega events in Canada, so let's help spread the word for that one and maybe see you there in New Brunswick in July. So I've been wearing my new epic geocaching t-shirt all this month. And we're in the final days of this exclusive deal to save 15% off any order at Arted Crafted t-shirts. You can pick any designs from the store, but I love this epic tee. It's like the design just fits excellent geocaching adventures to a tee. Ha! <laughs> Pun! <laughs> this deal is thanks to our sponsor, Arted Crafted. They've got an enormous collection of all sorts of geocaching-themed paraphernalia available to order at artedcrafted.com. There's even options to customize designs so you can be even more unique. And these final days until April 30th, if you place any order and use the coupon code CASHTHELINE with spaces, you'll save 15% off any order at checkout. You may find Arted Crafted at mega events in merch areas where you'll be able to peruse what's in stock, but right now, go visit that store at artedcrafted.com and freshen up your wardrobe a bit, or find a gift. If you want to check out that epic t-shirt design, you can start at cashtheline.net slash epictee, that's E-P-I-C-T-E-E. Add that to your shopping cart and keep browsing, and don't forget to check out with the coupon code CASHTHELINE. Thanks to Arted Crafted for sponsoring this podcast. The hunt is on for a large meteorite that crashed somewhere in the woods of northern Maine. And whoever finds it will get a nice little reward. That's right, on April 8th, a meteorite landed west of Canoose in New Brunswick or northwest of Waite in Maine. 
And this is something for all of us scavenger hunters. The Maine Mineral and Gem Museum is offering a $25,000 reward to whoever finds the first one kilogram meteorite somewhere in those Maine woods. Keep in mind, there are professional meteorite hunters also with skin in this game. But if you're up for the challenge, then you can head over to those main woods. Remember that it's private land, so you would need permission. But you can get out there and start searching for this meteorite, hoping to get that $25,000 reward. Meteorites are remnants of rocks that have fallen and made it through the Earth's atmosphere without burning up entirely. They may come from the asteroid belt, or from the moon, or possibly Mars. But identifying these meteorites can be a challenge as well. They have sort of a fused, dark, glassy crust. There could be metal inside. The museum knows how to identify, so you can't just bring in any rock. And there's no GPS guidance to locate this rock. <laughs> Check for links in the description of this podcast episode for references and guides. But if you think you're up for it, get out there and see if you can be, see if you can represent geocachers and win that $25,000 reward for the community. Finding a rock could be extremely difficult the proverbial needle in a haystack. Now, if a rock hunt isn't quite up your alley, maybe a hunt for bananas or golden bananas might be. I just recently started watching Banana Ron on YouTube. He is a guy who's taken his Ford Raptor four-wheel drive massive truck, and he's driving across the United States on unpaved roads and vlogging his whole experience but along the way he is dropping golden bananas in golden ammo boxes for people to find and at the end of his journey so at the end of the video series he will be releasing the gps coordinates of all of these bananas <laughs> that you can go out and find and collect and i don't know what the value is but i think i think it sounds like he took actual bananas and dipped them in uh, some kind of gold plating <laughs> interesting and fun and entertaining videos you should go check him out at banana ron on youtube he also has his little sidekick puppy coda who keeps him company throughout this trip and it seems he also likes to chow down on mr beast bars but go check him out and follow him he's also got a drone and his videos are just beautiful exploring some spectacular locations across the continental united states it is an excellent road trip adventure that's for sure Go banana run! Is geocaching a public threat? Well, of course not, but muggles just may not know any better. We have got two incidents to cover this month. There was a bomb scare in Nova Scotia where RCMP found a pipe-style geocache, which of course looks like a pipe bomb. So they had to evacuate a whole lot of homes in the area, but to their credit and the photos, it does look like a pipe bomb. It's black, it's roughly glued, and it was sitting kind of just off a trail in a residential area. Kind of suspicious. So the RCMP had to deal with it. And while geocaching is a legal activity, the RCMP wanted to say, we would also like to remind the public that when engaging in recreational activities, to please ensure that any containers that they leave unattended do not resemble explosive devices. You know, one might think that's common sense, but... On the lighter side, the Cadot Police Department in Wisconsin was given a suspicious camo-taped blood sample vial. <laughs> they discovered it's a geocache, but this response was a little nicer. They still want people to bring in suspicious objects, but enjoy the activity. Officer Hewitt shared the news, and now I guess she wants to log it and rehide it. <laughs> 
So please be wise about your camouflage and where you decide to hide those geocaches, at least to help reduce the chance of a muggle raising an alarm and to help keep the reputation of geocaching a positive one. Enforcement will always need to respond to bomb scares and threats, and there's no guarantee it won't be destroyed. It's always nice, though, when law enforcement keeps a positive attitude about this fundamentally safe and family-friendly activity. Alright, bringing it back around to our challenge caching theme, I thought I'd give a little bit of an update to my oldest challenge cache that's still active, the Iron Bingo Challenge. That is GC3D5EB. And this one I have often talked about on Challenge Talk when I was co-hosting there on that podcast. And the challenge to this cache is to complete a bingo line on a bingo grid. You know, the B-I-N-G-O, one, two, three, four, five. But this grid is filled with a variety of streak types based on geocache properties and, and, and attributes and whatnot. And so it's hard in and of itself, but I have an extra bonus for anybody who completes the entire bingo grid. And you can only do that in at least 100 consecutive days of geocaching. And the reward that I have planned for anybody who completes this bingo grid is you will win a cash line geocoin, which is coming soon. I have revealed the coin to Cash the Line patrons, and it will be revealed shortly. But not only will you get the cash line geocoin, but it comes with a special iron bingo bonus. And you will find out more about that in uh, upcoming months. <laughs> so looking at recent logs, we have EJK PBR, who is only two squares left from completing the full grid. And he needs B3, which is three days of UV light required caches, and O3, which is 10 days of letterboxes. That log was posted on April 11th. I wonder if he's actually completed that streak by now. Hmm. EGK PBR is also a Cash the Line patron himself, so thanks for your support, and good luck on this challenge. <laughs> I can't wait to be able to talk about the prize that will be given away to all the people who complete this full grid. It's gonna be fantastic. Now here is a fun trackable idea you might be able to try out. Uh, Bounce Bounce shared earlier in April that, <laughs> well... He was sitting in a restroom and noticed that there was a TV on the stall wall. It was way down in the corner, just off to the side of the door. You might not even spot it if you weren't looking for it. And there was a tracking code. <laughs> he says, I guess they wanted you to have something to do while using the restroom. <laughs> have you tried putting a trackable code in random spots like that to see if anybody might discover them? I can't say I have ever seen one in a bathroom stall yet. <laughs> But hey, maybe this trackable owner decided to print a whole bunch of stickers of the same trackable code and just place them in a whole bunch of random bathroom stalls for people to discover while they're, you know. <laughs> I'd say that's certainly thinking outside the box. Now let's take a look at a couple of cache find logs to highlight for this month. First off, I came across this geocache GCPVPC. It was a... 14-year-old FTF and on an archived geocache. This cache is called La Plata Summit, and it's in Colorado in the United States. And it is near the peak of La Plata, which is 4,372 meters in altitude, or about 14,300 feet. This cache was placed in 2005, July, and it was never found. 
It was archived just under a year later by a reviewer because the Forest Service for the area said that uh, this cache was placed illegally. So it was archived, and it never seemed to have been picked up or retrieved by the cache owner. Come along 14 years later, Team Dennis and XZQ and Dad decided to do this massive long hike and check on this cache. And sure enough, it was still there. This was an FTF after archival, 14 years after publish. And here's Team Dennis's log. He says, I was checking out Project GC stats page for highest elevation geocaches in Colorado, and I noticed an archived cache on La Plata Peak, which was never found. It was hidden and published way back in 2005, but then archived a while later because caches are not allowed in Forest Service wilderness areas. This, of course, caught my eye, so I emailed the cache owner, and he informed me that he never went up and retrieved the container. And for all he knew, it was still up there. Q and I, that's his partner, wanted to make an attempt last year, but we were just too tired at the end of our week to make it happen. Even though we just did the Decalibron yesterday, we felt like this year would be different, and our alarms went off at 3 a.m. We hit the trailhead at 4.15 a.m. and immediately made a wrong turn that sent us about one and a half miles and over a thousand feet of extra vertical off course. After much soul-searching, we decided to correct course and attempt the climb even though we were two hours behind where we wanted to be. We finally gained the summit at 10.35 a.m. We exchanged high-fives and posed for a few photos before getting down to the business of searching for the long-lost geocache. We had a good description of the hide and a very good hint, but after about 15 minutes of searching, we were running out of time. Then Q said, Aaron, you need to get over here now! I walked down to his location and he was grinning ear to ear. He had the lid of the old container and some of its contents, including the travel bug that was hidden with this cache. Yes! Woohoo! <laughs> there were a couple of guys on the summit looking down like we were crazy, and they were probably correct, but we didn't care as we just scored the first to find on a cache hidden 15 years prior. Yeah, baby! <laughs> per the CEO's wishes, we sedoed out the container and contents. Totally a favorite point on what has to be the most epic FTF either of us will ever have. Thanks for all the fun up here and a perfect way to end our vacation. What an epic trip. And what fascinates me more is they didn't find a container in good condition. XZQ and Dad found a trackable and then digging a little deeper found the lid of the container and a few other items. So they found the remnants of the container. Who knows how long that had been sitting there in that condition since 2006. But it was confirmed by the cache owner, and as good geocachers do, they removed the contents and removed the container, and they revived the travel bug that was sitting in there for 15 years. That is an excellent geocaching adventure to remember, that's for sure. And here is one more excellent adventure that I thought was worth sharing, because what an accomplishment. This is coming from Backpack and Jack. Uh, we talk a lot about how many finds you can get in one day, he has managed to solo... Well, I'll just read what he says. He says, With lots of experience traveling and hiking in the deserts, I have learned to not go anywhere you haven't recently been in the daylight. So one evening I stopped caching and just drove along the ET Highway and checked out the area some miles ahead and marked that spot on my GPS. My last find was already on my GPS, so no need to enter that. The next morning I left Rachel, Nevada before daylight and headed out caching between those marks. When I got to the last mark, I stopped and drank coffee until the sun came up and started again. No faking the finds. I have witnessed a lot of that. I stamped and or replaced each cache 
and in the late evening I drove ahead once again and marked that spot so I could find those caches in the dark until I got to that mark. And when caching alone, driving a hybrid car sure helps because you never need to turn it off nor worry about running out of gas. And that's how I did it. Now to what I did, total for that day, 961 caches in one day, March 11th, 2012. Why I did it? Because even though I was an active hiker and outdoorsman, I was feeling old at age 65 and wanted to push myself. Plus it was just pure fun on the run under the sun. Highlight of the day was the sun rolling across the desert like someone rolling up a dark curtain, plus the stallion standing there watching me within maybe 200 feet when the sun came up. Wow, I can just imagine what that would have looked like. Uh, I don't know if you've done the ET Highway, but I did that whole series with three other friends uh, a number of years ago, and we managed to get all 2,400 at the time in four days. The highest we got in one day was 900. We probably could have gotten more, but that's with four people. He was a solo geocacher, and he got 961 caches in that one day. But that was a huge accomplishment, so congrats to Backpack and Jack for that accomplishment. I can certainly imagine that that would have been yet another fantastic memory, and what a day to remember. All because of geocaching. Thanks to Cashly for sponsoring this episode. It has been my primary geocaching app for, I can't remember how long, but it's the best geocaching app on iOS by far. One major benefit of geocaching is the useful local info cache owners can provide, including helpful waypoints like parking and trailheads. And here's a quick Cashly tip. If you're in an unfamiliar area, you can enable show all waypoints on the map view, and for every geocache you've downloaded to see on the map, all those extra waypoints will also appear. So whether or not you're actively searching for a geocache, you can see an immediate collection of suggested parking areas and trail access points. That is a great feature, not just for finding one cache, but even when running muggle errands or going on vacation. (laughs) This app has vastly surpassed any other geocaching app in features and quality, and the app alone is worth a few bucks for its feature set, including the optional offline maps, which I've also used when I knew I was going out of mobile reception range. It has so many useful features. I highly recommend this app, whether you're a veteran geocacher or just starting out in the activity. Find it in the App Store or by visiting www.cashly.com. C-A-C-H-L-Y.com. It is time for the Patron Adventurer of the Month. Cash the Line is supported by a band of excellent adventurers through Patreon who graciously pitch in and help the channel continue to grow and improve. And for this show, our Patron Adventurer of the Month is Cash Addict Mel. From North Carolina, Mel is very active in the geocaching community and loves attending events. She's been a big supporter of the community, so thanks so much to Mel for your ongoing support of Cash the Line. You too can help support CTL and unlock bonus content and swag like the upcoming 2023 Cash the Line patron exclusive path tag and participation in top secret Project EGA by visiting patreon.com slash cash the line, patreon.com slash cash the line. Thank you so much for your support for helping to make all of this possible.
Last month, our AI friend went on, well, an artificial geocaching adventure, <laughs> and quite a fantastical adventure. It found a couple of magical dice that seemed to imbue powers when they were held. This month, our AI friend has decided to place a geocache. When asked by Raj King to write up their geocache listing, this is what it came up with. Welcome to the Lost Treasure Geocache. This cache is located in a beautiful nature reserve with scenic trails, stunning views, and plenty of wildlife. The cache itself is hidden in a well-camouflaged container that is designed to blend in with the surrounding environment. To find the cache, you will need to follow the clues that we have provided. These clues will lead you to the general location of the cache, but you will need to use your observation skills to find the actual hiding spot. Once you locate the cache, you will be rewarded with a variety of trinkets and small prizes. You are welcome to take one of these prizes, but we ask that you replace it with an item of equal or greater value so that others can enjoy the cache as well. As with all geocaches, it is important to be respectful of the environment and the people around you. Please be sure to pack out any trash that you generate and try to keep noise levels to a minimum so as not to disturb any wildlife or other visitors. We hope you enjoy this geocache experience and the surrounding nature reserve. Good luck and happy hunting. Do you think that's a geocache worth finding? What do you think of its cache description? I mean, it's pretty new to the hobby, but I think it's pretty decent description. I feel like there's still a bit of mystery around the lost treasure in the name, though. I wonder what it would place in that geocache as a reward for the first finder. Hmm. You can play around and ask it as well by visiting ChatGPT at chat.openai.com. If its adventures tickle your fancy, you can share it on the show by emailing tgif at cashtheline.net. Where will our AI go next? And speaking of our new AI friend, I think it needs a name, don't you? I thought I'd open the door to your ideas, so here's a brand new contest. Send over ideas for a name to give our geocaching AI friend here, and if I pick your name, I'll send you two Cash the Line pens, two because one always goes missing, am I right? And a bit of bonus swag as well. And hey, maybe you could ask it to name itself and see what ideas it comes up with. But be fun and creative and witty, and email tgif at cashtheline.net with the subject AI geocacher name. Then let's see what artificial geocaching adventures our AI will take us on in the future. And next up, here is a quick Lone Wolf contest update. Have you seen the Lone Wolf Legacy Cache Tour series on YouTube yet? If you haven't, or even if you have, you still have a chance to be one of 50 people to win a special prize. And here's a little teaser. There's an exclusive path tag and swag in it for you. Hoping to launch later this year a brand new game codenamed Project EGA is a labor of love I've been working on for some time now, and it's nearing time for it to be revealed. Though you may have seen some graphic teasers over the last few months if you follow Cash the Line on social media. Cash the Line patrons are already in the loop with an updated exclusive sneak peek coming soon, and development is really progressing. If you'd like to win one of those 50 exclusive prizes, then here's what you've got to do. Visit the Lone Wolf Legacy video playlist that you can get to at cashthelinenet slash lonewolf and watch for special words that are highlighted by a smiley face in all but one of the videos. Once you've got them all, string them together and visit cashtheline.net slash and append that string of words and follow the instructions there. We're up to 26 entrants so far and the contest won't end until all 50 slots are claimed. You can find the instructions also listed in the show notes and on the playlist. I'm expecting to finally reveal the secret later this year, and I can't wait to share it with you. 
If you have any adventures you'd like to share on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Please email tgif at cashtheline.net or phone one in and leave a message at cashtheline.net slash POI. We'd love to hear if you have any comments, funny stories, milestones, accomplishments, rants, and adventures to share. That's tgif at cashtheline.net. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please remember to give the show a thumbs up or a positive review. Thank you to our sponsors, Cashly and Arted Crafted, and all the patrons who support Cash the Line. If you'd like to join the band of excellent adventurers, please find us on Patreon or by visiting cashtheline.net slash Patreon. You can support for as little as a cup of coffee per month or with a discount by the year and get bonus swag and access to exclusive content. Links and references mentioned in the episode can be found in the show notes linked in the description. See you next month with more exploration into the wide world of excellent geocaching adventures. Please subscribe, follow, share with your friends, and comment wherever you're able. And as always, happy caching and excellent adventure. (laughs) 